This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host... Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm good. And joining us in studio this morning, former Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Washington Capitol, and a few other uh, stops, uh, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. Morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good. It's uh, we, we, of course, had, we're on a, a week hiatus last Sunday. We thank Mike Wilson for uh, stepping in and taking over the show, doing a fantastic job. It was a great show last Sunday. Michael, thank you for uh, taking care of this uh, seat for us. Um, a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of uh, things that have happened in sports since we were last on the air. Naz, uh, Don, uh, Don Cherry. Cherry's not on. Uh, John Don Cherry uh, got fired, I guess, is uh, or got retired. Uh, we'll, we'll have a quick chat about that. Uh, Mike Babcock's no longer the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, there's a great cup going on today. Uh, go Tie Cats! So what was that? Uh, what was the saying? Naz Oski Wee Wee Oski Wawa Holy Mac Eat Tie Cats. Let's eat him raw. Uh, hopefully the hopefully the spirit of Bernie Filoni, Joe Zuger, uh, John Barrow, Angela Mosca, and Ralph Sazio will be on the Tiger Cats side of the field this afternoon, taking about, on the Winnipeg don't Blue forget, Bombers. Don't forget, How about Henley. Tony Gabriel? Tony, Tony Gabriel, Garney Hanley. Uh, man, it brings back memories of some incredible Tiger Cats uh, teams. So uh, Hamilton's within our, our listening audience. Winnipeg is not. Uh, we wish the Tiger Cats all the best. And if we get a chance at the end of the show, we got a lot going on today. Uh, if we get a minute we'll we'll chat about it but the great cups tonight uh it's always a big day uh in in canada uh great great it's a great celebration of canadiana and uh great cups in calgary this after uh, late uh late this afternoon early evening davis cup finals today canada is in the finals with spain Another remarkable accomplishment. Uh, we always talk about a golden generation of Canadian athletes, and certainly tennis has never been at a at a higher spot in in the Canadian sporting landscape than it is right now. the The, the competition starts at ten thirty this morning. We wish Canada all the best. They're in tough against Spain, but uh, Naz, I think, uh, man, that'd be an accomplishment if Canada could pull it'd that be, off. It would be great. It would be a great team. Anyways, um, we were away last Sunday. We didn't get a chance to talk about uh, Don Cherry, Coach's Corner. Um, Naz, as I'm sure, like me, we uh, we get asked our opinions off the air quite a bit. Um, I've been asked my opinions on this Don Cherry situation uh, an incredible amount of times in the last couple of weeks, as I'm sure you have, and as I'm sure you have, Luke. Uh, I think we'd be remiss. If we didn't at least talk about it uh, very briefly, uh, we've got Carlo Koliakovo coming on uh, at about 9.20. We've got Michael Trakos coming on at 9.40. We're going to have a full and frank Leaf discussion, but let's talk a little bit about Don Cherry. Uh, 
almost 40 years, Coach's Corner. Uh, said a couple of things on the air, or one thing on the air, two things on the air a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm not going to defend what he said, and certainly in the sense that the words came out. Um, they are in 2019. Not very defensible. I, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, there's certain things we know being on the air that you cannot say. Um, the inference was the inference was that he was making comments about immigrants, uh, and and if that was his intent, you know we can't agree with him. Um, what I find distressing about that whole situation, and I like your comments. I just don't think it was the whole situation was managed properly by Don and by Sportsnet. And what is really interesting and what may come out at some point in time, if I had Don Cherry on the show today and I was asking him a question, I'd want to know what were those discussions you had with Sportsnet the day after this happened? We're all human beings. None of us are saints. We all make mistakes. We all say things we regret and, and, when they're brought to our attention, I think we have an obligation, if we didn't mean them, to explain, to apologize, uh, to do the right thing. Apparently, conversations happened between Don and Sportsnet the next day, and he was asked to say something he couldn't agree with. Uh, I'd be curious to know what he was asked to say and what Don refused to say. Um, I just think in this, in the world that we live in today, there's always a rush to judgment. There's always a rush to throw a dart and stick it in somebody's back, perhaps quicker than it needs to. Nobody thinks about things carefully anymore. Nobody calms down. Nobody assesses situations. There's always a rush to deal with a matter, perhaps quicker than it needs to be dealt with. It's unfortunate. I would have liked to have seen Don go out in a dignified manner. Uh, I think what gets lost in this, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm belaboring and taking up your your radio time, Naz and Lou. I would have I would have preferred a more dignified answer. Thanks, Lou. Uh, a dignified way of of, of getting out, um, but that didn't happen. Uh, Naz, your thoughts. As it turns out, it's probably best that he did leave because things were getting really messy there. He, he, he said things in the past and been uh, been accused of a lot of things, and uh, this, this was it. And I don't think he meant what he said, but I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to know what he meant by his statement. That's what I would like to know. Lou? Wally, you said all those words so eloquently. Thank you, Lou. So now <laughs> tell me the uneloquent version. Well, you really don't want to know. No, it's... I think what happened was Don spoke his mind like he always does. This wasn't, uh, he used the stage during his coach's corner for something that he shouldn't have done. Uh, the message that he tried to get across is very, very delicate situation in society in total nowadays. And when you're asked to do something that you very, very strongly agree on not to do, like apologize uh, one or two days after the fact, he denied it. He denied he didn't want to do it. So uh, maybe it was time for him to leave. He left on the grandest stage. Unfortunately, he left on the probably one of the biggest days or biggest supporting days that he's ever had with Independence Day. Remembrance Day. Day. Yeah, Remembrance Day. Unfortunately, that's correct. Uh, 
Uh, and uh, for Don, he's not going to go back on his word. He said what he said. Uh, but, but the he, unfortunate part about that, Lou, is um, I don't think anybody really deep down believes Don Cherry's a racist, which he, which he was accused of from by, these by comments. Many, by many people. By many people. But, you know, the, the reality is, and, you know, Naz, you and I have struggled for the last five and a half years to keep politics out of our show. Yeah. Uh, because we know when an issue becomes political, certainly in the polarized world that we live in, in Western society, you know, it sort of reminds me of, what was that book we, we read in high school? Two Solitudes, that's it, by Hugh Garner. It was like Two Solitudes. It was about the French and English. But now we have Two Solitudes in a completely different way. We have Two Solitudes between left-wing political views and right-wing political views and and they really don't talk the same language and how you feel about this situation because i read about i you know i you know i read the twitter accounts and man the vitriol that you find of those opposed to don cherry and those in favor they're not even you know people don't even speak the same language uh and it really how you feel about this issue is really determined by your politics where, 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 do you, where do you lie in the political spectrum? And then if you tell me whether – and I'm not getting, getting into a liberal conservative debate, mm-hmm. uh, but where you lie in the political spectrum determines how you judge issues Absol- nowadays. You're absolutely correct. Right? You're, you're right. And, and, and this has become uh, – you know, the firing of Don Cherry, obviously, to state the obvious, became politics. And it became a fight between – um, those who see the left side of the political ideology and those who see a more right-wing side of the political ideology. Those on that are a little bit more right are willing to forgive Don because of perhaps they don't think he intended to say what he said. Those on the left wing, uh, and, and that generally is the medium, or and it's not even so much left wing. If you, if you look at the world in a certain way, it's, it's unforgiving. If you say something, that is offside, you're done. You're done. There's no forgiveness anymore. Um, and Don, you know, the reality is over the course of his history has said some things that have been insulting. Let's, let's be frank. He said some things a long time ago about that Finnish coach. He made fun of his name. You know, that may have been funny 20 years ago. It's not funny today. None of this stuff's funny anymore. You know, he made some comments about Swedish hockey players back in the day, made some comments about French Canadian hockey players back in the day. You know, we, you know, to, 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 to a certain embarrassment, we may have thought it was funny at the time. Uh, I don't think this stuff has ever been funny when you disparage people, uh, when you disparage their nationality. It's never funny. And more so in 2019 than, than ever in the past. Uh, I would have hoped you know, if Don Cherry had have said what he said on the on the Tuesday, if he had have said that on the Sunday, he might still be on the air. He could have given the people at Sportsnet perhaps an opportunity, uh, you know, to, to, to work things out. But he didn't say anything until he got fired, and by then it was too late. Sportsnet, at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge you know, at the end of the day, they're the employer. They have the right to determine who goes on the air. And if a person says something on the air that that is embarrassing to Sportsnet as they see it, well, you know what? It's their decision, isn't it? Well, you got to remember that 
those people are the same people that are <coughs> signing the checks for Sportsnet and all the advertisers that are put money in towards them. So they're, they're thinking that we're, we're getting all this backlash and now we got to hand it off to somebody else. So Sportsnet probably yeah. got a lot of heat from the people that he insulted, if you want to call it well, that word. Uh, and, 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 right. And, and, and Sportsnet had to do, listen, do, do we keep him on? Or do we lose all the or money? Or do we take the heat? Yeah, or do we take the or heat? Or do we take the heat? Yeah. Right? And, and they, they weren't that. willing to take the heat. No. And in today's world, you know, you got to worry about what the advertisers think. You got to worry about who you're offending. And and it's unfortunate. It, it really is unfortunate. I I, it, I, I just, my, my gut tells me this situation could have been managed better by everybody, by Don, by Sportsnet, uh, even by Ron McClain. You know, we talk about Ron McLean. Don said Ron threw him under the bus. Uh, Ron McLean went on the next night, heartfelt apology, um, said he didn't live up to his standards. My question is, those guys were partners for 38 years. Don Cherry went to Ron McLean's defense. The question I would ask those two is, Ron, before you went on the air that Sunday night, and, and when I look at you, Naz, when I say this, if you did something and, and whatever, if I did something, what I would expect from you, mm-hmm. I would have expect, I'd expect a call from you. Sure. I would say, Naz, you'd call me Wally. Wally, you know what? You got to apologize or you got to say something because I'm going on the air tonight and this is what I'm going to say. So, you know, everybody's, you know, uh, going hard on Ron McClain. Ron, Ron was pr- protecting his job, though. That's what he was And doing. fair enough, but I would have expected before Ron went on the air that, and I don't know, I don't know the facts. Hey, that, Ron that, hasn't was, said uh, it, Don hasn't said it. They haven't said whether they had a conversation that Sunday morning, whether Ron picked up the phone and said to Don, Don, you got to apologize, or, or, or Don, we have to make a joint statement. Or you know what, Don, I'm, tell- I'm forewarning you right now. I'm going on the air tonight, and this is what I'm going to say. A 38-year-old relationship or some a longer relationship than that, I would have expected that they would have had that dialogue as as teammates that morning. I don't know. No, I don't know if anybody's asked that question. I don't know what happened in that conversation between Don and Sportsnet on the Sunday. We don't have the details of that. I'm really interested to know what those conversations were. I don't even know how the conversation started on, on TV that night, how Ron could not have stepped in. That I that I do he not was, I do not blame right, Ron McLean for that. Naz, you and I have been on the air for five years. You know very well. You know what? We're it's not a standard of perfection when you're on live radio. Absolutely. You know, like, you know, like we're trying to think and talk and make sense and think about my next question. And you know what? And sometimes the brain doesn't absorb everything that's going on. We're all human beings. We all make mistakes. And there's sometimes when you're talking, Naz, I'm listening, but I'm not listening because I'm thinking of the next question I have to ask. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not going to blame. I'm not going to blame Ron McLean well, for that. I'm not blaming Ron McLean. Yeah. I'm just wondering how. Uh, obviously, there, there's a lead-in to, to every question or every time Ron talks, uh, not Ron talks, but uh, Don talks, and how that whole thing came came out right from the existence, like from the from the beginning. Uh, I'm not blaming Ron for anything for all of this because they're a great team. Obviously, something happened that night that he was more or less he was probably caught in, like a deer in the headlights, so to speak, and he just he was stunned at what was coming out of Don's mouth. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, it happened. It happens. It, it right? happens. Uh, it's, it's it happens not, to it's all not, of us in, in different situations. It's how you deal with it yeah. afterwards. He, he, Ron didn't react at all when he was talking. I don't think he really appreciated an in, in instant of when it happened exactly what Don was saying. Yeah, and that's, exactly. not a, that's not a criticism exactly. of Ron McClain. That's just the reality of being of doing something live that you're a human being. Sometimes yep. you don't process everything that's going on, right? And, and, and you would not believe how many people – I'm at the at the uh, Scotiabank place. How many people leave their seats up in, up in the bre- uh, press box and just go to the TV to watch what Don says for those five to seven minutes every Saturday night? Because you know, sooner or later, something wrong is going to yeah. come out, or and, something controversial is going to come out of his mouth. Anyways, we've got to go to break, and you know we're going to have this discussion uh, over over time. Uh, you know, because it, it, Don ain't he he isn't he hasn't left. He's got a podcast on Tuesday that uh, that he's putting up every Tuesday. What what I you know, and this is this is you know, broadcasters. If you're on the air or in any walk of human life, you got to be careful when you say things about certain groups and you generalize. And then another classic example is on this show called The Social, and I found this insulting. And Naz, I'm sure you will find you found that insulting. And I'm sure, Lou, you found it insulting. Uh, someone there by the name of Jess Allen had, had the temerity to say, in her experience, uh, all, uh, all white boys aren't nice who play hockey. And I'm saying, like, really? Really? Because you had a bad experience, maybe with three or four, you're going to tar and feather every single and and you use that. And I won't even repeat it. That, you know, like you can say that on the air. Be careful what you say. Don't target groups. If you've had a bad experience for with one, two, 12, 20 people, that's not reflective of an entire group. And I think that's that's the lesson for Don. Don't generalize. Don't generalize. Uh, and don't, and don't, and don't try and victimize certain, certain groups or point out, uh, those specific example. I'll leave it at this. Don Cherry, um, said something he shouldn't have said on the air. The situation wasn't handled properly from then on. It led to his dismissal. I understand Sportsnet's reasons for it. Um, Don Cherry's done a lot of good in a lot of areas. Veterans. For he sure. spent a lot of, a lot of Christmases in Afghanistan. He's used this platform. Sometimes uh, he's used it in indelicate words that have offended people, and we certainly won't pat him on the back for that. But there's a lot of things that he's done over the years that he should be patted on the back for, and we should not forget that. Well, what happens if he would have done this on a different stage instead of using it on Hockey Night in Canada? Well, he's got a stage on Tuesday afternoons now on his podcast, so I'm sure he'll continue to advocate for his good causes, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, uh, and I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. We've got to go to break. We'll be right back after the break with Carlo Koliakovo, and uh, we've got some leaf talk to catch up on. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that some big pizza conglomerates want to make the cheapest pizza. Some want to be the fastest. At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone bait, the traditional Italian way. It's what we strive for every day, to be the best, not the fastest or the cheapest. Oh, cue the announcer. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza, fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. From face-offs to playoffs, 
field goals to own goals. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. Live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the uh, Naz and Wally Sports Hour co-host on TSN Morning Sports Talk Radio. First up with Mike Landsberg, Carlo Koliakovo. Good morning, Carlo. How are you? Good morning, guys. Uh, I'm great. How about you? We're doing great. Just so you know, uh, your good friend uh, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti's in studio with us this morning. So, <laughs> the man who's everywhere. What's up, Louis? <laughs> Carlo, don't bring up Alabama, okay? Or I'm going to wring your neck the next time I see you at the. Uh, hey, alumni please, box. none of that aggressive uh, salt type of language on the Naz and Wallace. I can do it with him. He's my, wait a minute, wait a minute. Weren't you the guy that told me Alabama was going to walk away with the NCAA this year? Oh, I I did. I can't help it. They didn't have a defense for the first half. Yeah. Anyways, guys. Uh, You know what? It's unfortunate to see what happened to Tua. I'd like to uh, see round two of that game. (laughs) Listen, guys, I got to cut off. I got to cut off this NCAA football. I'd love to chat about it, but we got so much stuff to talk about. Only because Notre Dame's not in it anymore. Don't even talk to me about it. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Carlo, uh, you know, the week, the week this Sunday morning is a little bit different than last Sunday morning in Leafland in a lot of different ways. Um, Mike Babcock's no longer the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The losing streak's over. Um, I would just very simply ask you to start off this conversation, uh, Carlo. When you saw the news, probably a little, your, probably your iPhone or your Android probably buzzed, uh, and you saw it on your screen or somebody called you and you heard Mike Babcock was fired. Uh, were you surprised it happened this week? You know what? Uh, I, I was shocked at the timing of it, but I was not surprised by the move. Um, I think it was pretty evident, like you said, a week ago this morning. Um, I think people were screaming for him to be fired. Um, just because, you know, that in a game that probably would have meant so much to this group, they came out in the flattest way possible. And that, that was, uh, you know, the, uh, as as down as you can get with this group, um, I think one of the players actually said it was rock bottom for them. And um, when it didn't happen last Sunday, I sort of thought to myself, okay, well, you know, maybe they're not prepared to make the move. Maybe they'll they'll try something different. Um, you know, given the, the the timing of it, heading into a big road trip, you thought that would have been the ideal time. And then when they start the road trip with like Matt Huck as the coach, you're thinking to yourself, okay, well. You know, maybe they're willing to give him the road trip to see if they can turn things around. And then, uh, obviously, after the game against uh, Vegas, uh, you saw a little bit of improvement, but you got the same results. And then, obviously, like you said, I got the alert on my phone as it happened. And my first initial reaction was I was shocked because I never believed that uh, they had what it took to do it. I mean, you talk look at look at Mike Babcock's resume. He's a coach that's never ever been fired in his career. And, um, you know, I don't, I, I didn't know if they, 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 they felt like during the season would have been the right time to do it, but they did it. Um, I think it was a move that this group needed. Uh, you can definitely see, uh, what's happened since. Uh, we're looking at a totally different team that plays a completely different way, that plays with a lot more energy and, uh, plays with a lot more inspiration. It looks like they're having fun out there. 
Carlo, you played uh, against uh, Sheldon Keith back in junior for one year. What was he like as a player? Um, well, he, he was a, a really, really skilled player, put up a lot of points, um, played with a lot of determination, a lot of fire. But um, I, I think I think a lot of his characteristics as a coach are a little bit different than the way he played as a player. Um, I see a lot more confidence, a lot more poise, even a lot more swagger with his presence behind the bench. Um, you know, he, he was also a guy that during his junior career dealt with a lot of uh, criticism, criticisms uh, with his personality and stuff. So credit to him for, for, for turning everything around and, and making himself a completely different person. Um, I didn't know much about him as a coach when he, when he was named the coach of the Maple Leafs. All I heard was the things he did to help young players feel confident about their game. Um, you know, some of the success stories they heard, players that he dealt with in the Myers. He was a great communicator with guys. And to be honest with you, like in, in today's uh, generational uh, game of hockey where you've got young players that are superstars, that, that is the key to, to being a very successful coach is you've got to have a good relationship and a good communication level with your young players. And I just felt like that was something that Mike Babcock, um, you know, struggled with, with this group. Cause uh, you know, I, I played for Mike Babcock. Um, he's a guy who was really strong in his own beliefs. Didn't really, didn't like hearing other people's opinions. And I just don't know if that's something that um, was, was a disconnect with this group. It definitely was a disconnect with the, with the general manager. And, and now we're seeing why the move was made. Carla, we pretty well knew that uh, going into the season that Mike Babcock was going to be on a short leash. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I was totally, I was on one of them. Uh, I was shocked as you were uh, when I got the news on my uh, iPhone. But if you look back and, and you look at the, the substance that was before this, they, they've never gotten out of the first round of the playoffs. Uh-huh. Uh, their, their teams lacked uh, the energy that they had during the season, whether it was playing against the Boston Bruins or not, I really don't know. Uh, the discipline against Kadri, uh, and just the little things that you think that uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment is going to pull the plug at the end of the season, but they more or less they let them they let that leash out a little bit longer than than normal, and mm-hmm. now you're hearing all the stories that they were talking about doing to him or against him uh, during the summer. It, it's it's really and Shanahan flies all the way out to uh, to Phoenix to more or less deliver the news because uh, I guess appropriately he was the one that hired uh, uh, Babcock in the first place. Well, listen, I, I understand why Shanahan was the guy to make the call. Um, I think anybody who's familiar with the situation knows that there was probably a conversation in the summertime after the Boston series about Kyle Dubas wanting to make a change. But uh, Brendan Shanahan um, wasn't prepared to, to make that yet because, you know, he's a guy who brought in Babcock and he thought that Babcock was still the guy to lead the way. But um, I'm going to go a little bit more perspective for you. I, I think this discussion all started last year during that Boston series. And in particular because another big reason why the move was made is, is the stubbornness behind Mike Babcock and, and the way he does things on his own. That Boston series was a series that the Maple Leafs should have won. They held three three times they held a lead in that series and couldn't win that next game. He decided that playing a, um, a, 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 Zach, a Zach Hyman, who was playing with a torn ACL, uh, top minutes, key penalty kill minutes, and ultimately ended up 
being the deciding factor in some of those key faceoffs that he took on the penalty kill. Um, the way he utilized Austin Matthews and his line uh, throughout the playoffs. I thought the four, fourth line of, of, of Trevor Moore when he came up was the best line in Game 7 and didn't find a way to get them out more. The way he utilized their defense. I mean, there, there, there's so many things you can point at as things that he didn't do to get this team to that next level, and that's the responsibility of a coach. But, to, you know, again, I, I'm not surprised that they stuck with him during the season because, you know, his resume um, spoke for, for the, the, his decision to stay. But I think where things started to go bad with this group was opening night. Opening night, he decides to sit Jason Spezza for no reason. I mean, come on, the guy couldn't kill penalties. Like, give me a break. Like, the guy, you, you could have supplemented somebody else for the a minute and a half that, that Nick Shore decided to play on the penalty kill over him. And that, to me, sent a message to this group that it was all about Babcock. And the difference between Babcock and Sheldon Keith is, I think the example was there last night. Nick Shore came into the lineup last night, and if you heard Sheldon Key's comments, he said, I decided to put Nick in because he's been playing well, but most importantly, he's from the Denver area, and I know how much this game needs to hit. And look at that response you got last night. You got a big goal. But that's the stuff that players rally around when they know the coaches have their back. And I just felt like you can obviously see the disconnect, that the players were starting to lose trust in Mike Babcock. So, I'm not going to sit here and criticize the stuff Mike Babcock didn't do because if you look at his tenure here, he accomplished a lot of great things. And to put things into perspective again, just look at Buffalo right now. When Mike Babcock took the job to be the Maple Leafs coach, he was negotiating with Buffalo and had a chance to go there. The things he's done in, in under five years for this organization to get them where they're at, Buffalo has drafted in the top 10 every year since then. So, if that gives a little bit more perspective of, of the, the good things Mike Babcock did while he was here. But I think everybody can agree that the change was necessary for this group. We're talking to Carlo Koliakovo. Uh, Carlo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address a question to uh, you and, and Lou, um, both who had uh, fairly lengthy careers in the NHL. I'm sure at various points in your career uh, there were some coaching changes. Uh, so from the perspective of a player, um, what difference is a coaching when when you get the word that the coach is being changed? How do the players react? What difference does it make? Well, I think you're seeing the perfect example of how the players react. Um, it's a breath of fresh air. Um, it's a new lease on life. I mean, just just ask Tyson Berry. Um, you know how he feels about the coaching change. Here's a guy who's who felt strapped in, 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 in the role he was playing and, and the way he was uh, being utilized in, in a Mike Babcock coach team and gets a new lease on life, new lease on hockey, and he's been one of the, the best players in, in two games for the Maple Leafs, something we haven't seen all year. Uh, in my personal experience with a coach, it, uh, it puts the players on notice. Um, I, it, it's happened to me twice in my career, uh, once late in the season, once early in the season, like the Maple Leafs, and uh, the one time it happened early in the season, it was in St. Louis, uh, 11 games in, and Hitchcock came in. And I think that the GM sent the right message. He goes, guys, I didn't change the, I didn't change the coach because I didn't believe in you guys. I changed the coach because I wanted a better guy to come in here to take you over the top. And when you hear a message like that, it, it inspires you because it, it, it gives you belief that you're better than the way you're playing. You just need someone to give you the right information and the right tools to get you to that next level. And, 
Um, you can see, I mean, right, right from the first game, I mean, can you script a, a story of, of Sheldon Creek keep any better? It just seems like every goal that's been scored over the last two games has a different story towards it. I mean, game one, Tyson Berry is the guy who scores the first goal. Um, Pierre Engvall is the guy who scored the second goal, a guy that's been coached by Sheldon Keith. Probably a guy who probably would have never played the penalty kill if Mike Babcock was still here. And then obviously Austin Matthews scoring in Arizona, you know, on the road, something he hasn't done much this year. And then you go back to last night too, you know, Tyson Berry again scores on the power play. Um, you know, Nick Shore scores the first goal. I mean, there's, there's so many great stories that come with this group that it's, it's, it's just a feel good story that Sheldon Geek has created with his presence and his beliefs and his mindset. And, and, and let's not forget, this team has done this without any real practice time. So I think right now, the key for this group, they're going to have some good practice days under Shelton Keith to really buckle down on some of the things he wants this team to thrive at. And I think you're going to, you're going to see, you know, them be better from it. Uh, we've been talking to Carlo. Carlo, we got to like, got to let you go. We got to go to break. We got Michael Trakos coming on to, to oh, keep, nice. keep, keep this story going. Listen to all our listeners. Uh, uh, you can listen to Carlo every morning, Monday to Friday on TSN radio, 1050 in Toronto. It's first up. It's Koliakovo and Landsberg. It's a great show. I listen to it every morning. I highly encourage our listeners to listen into Carlo, uh, and Michael. Carlo, thanks so much for joining awesome, us. Awesome guys. Thanks. And Lou. Yes, go sir. Tigers. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go. I'm Oski sticking wee wee, guys. No. Oh, go Tigers. Okay. I thought maybe we were talking about the LSU Tigers. So, you know, I still like the Buckeyes. I was, over. but you know what? <laughs> Given it's Great Cup Sunday, go Tigers. Okay. Go Tigers. Okay. Okay. So we killed two birds with one stone. <laughs> Thanks. Go. Thanks so much, Carlo. Appreciate it. Lou, uh, just very quickly, got a minute and a half before we go to break. Coaching changes uh, during your career. Um, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the only coaching change I had was uh, here in Toronto, uh, and and that pretty well m- happened in the summer when Gary Riviera got let go. Uh, they brought in Tom Watt, who was a, a head coach previously as an associate coach, and we knew that uh, Dougie Carpenter, with his personality, was on a short leash, and we got off to a slow start. And uh, I happened to get hurt five games into the season, and once they made the change, I think about 19 games in, uh, Tom started running practice because we, we were badly out of shape. And, uh, I was one of the guys that was traded along with probably half the team, Eddie Olcha, Gary Lehman, Eli Frady. Everybody else was gone, uh, within the next, uh, four to five months. So, uh, we knew that there was, there was drastic changes coming once Tom Watt, the disciplinarian, a very hard nosed coach, very fair, very good coach came in over, uh, Doug Carpenter because Doug just loved the, that run and gun and we weren't going to get it done, uh, uh, with that style of hockey, especially like we did the year uh, previous year. Anyways, we've got Michael Trakos coming on. Before we go to break, I've been asked to read a PSA, so it's it's my privilege to do this at this time. Uh, if you want to fundraise and join the Toronto Maple Leafs on the ice at Toronto Maple Leafs Skate for Easter Seals Kids, it's coming up Sunday, January 5th at the Ford Performance Centre in Toronto. Registration is filling up fast. Visit EasterSealSkate.org to secure your spot. All proceeds support Easter Seals Ontario and kids with physical disabilities. Join the Toronto Maple Leafs and Easter Seals kids on January 5th. It's, uh, it's, it's an absolutely tremendous cause. Please support it. Uh, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Michael Trakos. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest! We'll never be the cheapest! 
will never be the snazziest dressed. What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best. At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, national hockey writer for the Post Media Network. You can find his great material in the Toronto Sun, in the National Post, and all those newspapers across the country. Of course, I'm talking about Michael Trakos. Michael, good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing this morning yourself? We're doing great. Just so you're aware, we got Lupin, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti in studio with us this morning. So if, awesome. if you hear a strange voice, you'll know where that's coming from. Morning, Mike. Michael. <laughs> How you doing, Lou? Michael. No, not too strange, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I had put away my uh, my my seat on Bay Street for the Stanley Cup parade. I had put it on StubHub and was asking <laughs> people to. Uh, I was going to pay people to take it a couple of weeks ago, but the price of it just went up this week, uh, Michael. Uh, so uh, I, I'm looking at my spot on, uh, on on the parade route again. Am I getting ahead of myself? Yeah, you might be, <laughs> but at least you know what. The Leafs are playing a better brand of hockey. That I think is. Well, it's already led to a couple of wins, but I think it's going to lead to uh, long-term success. And, you know, I think it's just a better brand of hockey to watch. I don't know about you guys, but win or lose this season, or even at the tail end of last year, um, this wasn't the high-flying, high-scoring, creative uh, type of hockey that uh, we're led to believe when, um, you know, you sign Tavares, you draft Marner, Matthews, Nylander, uh, with all those guys, all that firepower, Seem like they were being stifled, and two games in, um, I'm seeing a lot more creativity, and you know it's a little bit more pleasing to the eye. So we'll see if it works. This, this grand experiment works um, because you know a few teams have ever tried to go with this much skill and this little grit, but uh, so far the results are uh, pleasing. Michael, what are you seeing from a? Te- did you see anything from a technical perspective in terms of? Uh, Sheldon Keefe uh, applying to this team. The one thing that I saw that it was a little bit different is uh, he's getting his defensemen into the rush. Uh, Tyson Berry, the the the, the seatbelt that Babcock put on Berry and some of the other defensemen, they seem to be more engaged into the into pushing into the offensive zone. Uh, am I seeing that correctly? Yeah, I think it's three things. I, I think, yeah, the defense is a lot more engaged. And I talked to Babcock about that uh, in a few weeks ago, um, just saying, uh, are you trying to encourage Riley and um, Tyson Berry to be more engaged? And he actually went the other way and said, those guys have to learn when to pick their spots. And um, they're getting burned a lot by taking chances. But with Keith, I think we're, we're going to see a lot more of that, at least with Tyson Berry. He seems to be a lot more of a happy camper. Uh, the other things I'm seeing is more of a swarm mentality uh, on defense. And, you know, it was brought up on the broadcast numerous times, numerous times yesterday. The fact that when the puck goes in the Leafs end or in the neutral zone, that it's, it's almost a five man unit that are chasing them down. And it's leading to a lot more turnovers when you kind of play that sort of aggressive style. Third thing is, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but how, how much longer, the forwards are just hanging onto the puck. And in this post game last night, Sheldon Keefe said that 
that's the one adjustment that a lot of these guys have to make is that we don't want them just dumping it in, chipping in, taking shots. Uh, they really want to control possession. And you know, to a guy like Austin Matthews, who basically played keepaway his entire life on those three-on-three rinks back in Arizona, and to guys like Tavares and Matthews, or sorry, Marner and Nylander, who you know love having the puck on their stick, I think this is a system that they are just ecstatic about playing. Um, the last thing we want to do is chip and chase. Uh, these guys aren't built for grinding, cycling hockey, so if they can hang on to the puck and work them, work some magic in the offensive zone, uh, I think we're going to see that talent on display more so than ever. Michael, where do you think Babcock lands next? Yeah, a number of spots. I think Detroit is definitely a possibility if they're not happy with Blaschel, especially with the new GM taking over there and Stevie Eiserman. Um, if San Jose or Nashville uh, or Tampa, uh, all three cup-contending teams, if they are looking like how the Leafs were looking in last week, uh, I think they wouldn't hesitate in bringing a guy like Babcock in who you know, could very much be a closer in those type of situations. Um, and maybe you know, with those kind of teams, especially with Nashville or San Jose, heavier teams um, and a little bit more veteran-savvy teams, maybe that's a better fit than uh, Babcock was at this juncture in Toronto. But you know, we haven't seen the last of him. And I think this guy uh, is itching to get back in the saddle. It's just a matter of finding the right fit. Michael, I, I remember, I'd say probably about a year or so, uh, talking to people on uh, in the hockey world that when Babcock first got hired or was in an interview with, with the Detroit Red Wings, the first question that came out of Kenny Holland's mouth uh, to Babcock, he says, if you want this job, uh, are you willing to give up your dump and chase for more of a puck possession? Because that's exactly what Detroit had. And obviously he made the change there and he was successful there. Over here, when he came here to Toronto, I don't know, I cannot realize uh, why he went to a puck and a dump and puck kind of a team with the, with the team that he had because, you know, he's got a lot of talent here. Obviously, he's, he's missing the, the grinder type or the sandpaper type of hockey player, but he, he doesn't have that here. So I'm really questioning on why he went back to his old ways. And I've also noticed uh, the last couple of games how much, uh, the, the wingers are more or less protecting the front of the net instead of staying up above the, the top of the circles. Yeah, I think, Lou, it goes back to you know, Babcock at his core is a safe, conservative hockey coach. And we see it time and time again at the Olympics. Like, for all the talent that Team Canada has, that might be the most boring, methodical way of winning hockey games that you could ever imagine. So it seems like it's a page out of maybe like Kazakhstan or Slovenia's playbook where you don't have the talent. So, you know what, we're going to clog the neutral zone. We're going to decrease scoring chances and we're going to work for that one, nothing win. And, you know, maybe it's just the fact of the matter that he doesn't trust Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews uh, to play a puck possession game um, and not get burned defensively. And he's just seen it way too many times, but, you know, for the same reason why you won't have PK Subin on his team, because he's, too high risk, too high reward um, is the same reason why you know Babcock had reverted to really a safe system in Toronto, where you know a lot of these horses had been basically locked up in the stable, um, and it's kind of unfortunate because you know I, I think you're taking away what makes Toronto um, so different and so much better than probably 30 other teams in the NHL. I don't know how many other teams can match them talent for talent. Uh, offensively. Um, and I'm not just talking about the big four up front. I'm also talking about Morgan Riley. Also talking about 
um, Tyson Berry. Um, also talking about guys like Ilya Mikheyev and what we've seen so far to Pierre Engvall. Um, there's a lot of talent on this team, whether it's on the first and second line or the third and fourth or even the third defense pairing where it's a guy like Travis German. So um, now we're going to see just how high-flying and how scoring the Leafs can be. But uh, don't be surprised if we see half a dozen goals uh, shoot up on the scoreboard on a nightly basis now. It was great to see the emotion that they played with the last couple of games. And I'm really, I'm happy for Sheldon Keith. And uh, the one thing I would have done if I would have taken over that job, I would have thrown probably 25 pairs of keys in the middle of a dressing room and said, here, guys, undo your shackles, because that's exactly what's happening right now with Did them. Did you get uh, interviewed for the job, Lou? No. <laughs> hey, they brought in McFarland to work on the power play. Look where it's gone. It's gone to the bottom. <laughs> I'm going to dust off your resume and send it down to MLSC. Obviously, they're missing the benefit of your well, they're, expertise. They're looking for a head coach in the Marlies. How about that? Okay. I think you'd look great on the Marlies bench. Anyways, Naz? Michael, I noticed something last night. Uh, the uh, Leafs went to three lines in the third period. What did you think of that move? Yeah, and did you also notice the power, or sorry, the uh, timeout he took uh, yeah. on that one power play late in the game as well? Um, just to try to get that top unit out again, uh, get some energy. I, I think and we're going to see a lot more of that. You know, against Boston, a lot of the criticism directed towards Babcock was how he utilized Matthews, how he utilized the star players. It seemed like he was trying to get uh, Goche's line out there as much as possible and trying to work that floor four-line system, so you grind a team down by the end of the game, but you know, Keith's uh, a different mode. Uh, you've got these young horses. You know what? They can play 26, 27 minutes a night, and we're seeing that in Edmonton with Dreisaitl and McDavid. There's no reason why a guy like Matthews uh, can't also play that much. So, yeah, um, you know, if it's a tight game or um, you're down a goal, there's no reason why you should be throwing out the fourth line. Um aside from maybe just one or two shifts a period. So, yeah, uh, I'm kind of curious to see how this, you know, the further this goes along. And, you know, we've only seen one practice with Sheldon Keefe and really one morning skate. Um, so, you know, I'm really curious to see what the next couple of weeks look like um, when you know, he's really able to implement a system and the players are getting a little bit more comfortable. Uh, that was a great point, Naz. Uh, interestingly enough, I, we checked the stats this morning. Matthews played almost 23 minutes last night. Tavares almost 23 minutes, and Cody Cece played 27 minutes. Uh, we would never have seen those stats with, with Babcock as the coach. And, what? and that's basically in a blowout, right? Yeah. Uh, well, not quite a blowout, but, but uh, a comfortable win, uh, at least after the second. Uh, one thing I noticed, uh, in, um, and I like your comments on this, uh, you're, you're, almost, you're almost an oracle on this one, uh, Michael, because an article that was in the Toronto Sun on Monday, you, I think the headline was uh, uh, Babcock can no longer be the coach, and then it came down. But the team, the, the play, the first thing you notice about them on, on, uh, in, the, in the Colorado, uh, sorry, in the, in the Arizona game and carried over last night, uh, didn't seem that many, peop- that many of the players went to bat for Mike Babcock, not many of them had anything good to say or they kept quiet about it, but they seem like they're having fun again. Um, what was the, as far as you're aware, what, what was the actual level of dissension in that, in that dressing room? Because things are going to slowly come out. It just like, it looked like the team had turned against them a while ago and didn't seem like he had too many friends in that dressing room. I think it was purely the style. And you keep going back to this, the Leafs weren't having fun uh, under the Babcock system. Well, 
it's it's just a system that doesn't work with the kind of players that he has. Um, maybe in St. Louis where you've got your Ryan O'Reilly's and your Braden Shens and you've got more of a grinder philosophy even amongst your top guys, uh, I think Babcock would be a perfect fit. But like I said, this is basically early 2000, 2000 version of what the Washington Capitals. Like this is right when Ovi and Baxter had arrived on the scene and they had Bruce Brudrow basically saying, yeah, we're going to play run and gun. Um, you, you got to coach to what you got. And Babcock kept talking about having to play heavier, having to play more of a cycle game, having to defend uh, a little better. Well, you know, let's face it. Yep. These guys didn't get drafted to play grind and uh, chip and chase hockey. Uh, they got drafted uh, first overall or in Marner's case, fourth overall or Nylander's case, what, eighth overall, because these guys are something special. Uh, they have a, a talent and a, an ability that you can't teach. What you can teach is for them to play a little bit more responsible without the puck. And, you know, that, that's not on Babcock. That was on the players. And uh, I think anyone would objectively say that, you know, even in the final days of Babcock's tenure, that the Leafs weren't playing smart defensive hockey. And that, that's really inexcusable. And that's something that Keith has got to really pound uh, away here because even when they had that lead last night, things did look a little dicey. And, you know, if not for Frederick Anderson, that could have been, you know, an upset loss going the other way. So, um, but, you know, at its core, I think these guys are happy because they're actually going to play a system that they enjoy playing. And if that can convince them to also play a little smarter without the puck, then, you know, the Leafs are going to be better for it. We've been talking to Michael Trakos, uh, national hockey writer for Post Media. He's also, if you're looking for a good Christmas present for a special hockey fan or sports fan, he's the author of the next ones, How McDavid, Matthews, and a Group of Young Guns Took Over the NHL. It's a great book. If you're looking for a nice little present for that for that little hockey fan, uh, girl or boy, uh, by all means, uh, check out Michael's book. Michael, you know how much we appreciate you joining us and sharing your insights with us really quick. Quickly, tie cats, blue bombers. What's going to be the final score? Oh, I got the tie cats, and I don't know. Uh, they'll win by a rouge or two. Okay. <laughs> and Bernie Filoni's going to be kicking it out of the end zone. Anyways, Michael, thanks so much. Uh, appreciate right, thanks, it. Guys. We got about forty-five seconds left, and uh, yeah, I still remember. I think it was nineteen sixty. Bernie Filoni kicked it out of the end zone, and Dave Mann kicked it back in, and Bernie Filoni kicked it back out, and Dave Mann kicked it back in, and Bernie Filoni picked it up and ran it one hundred and twenty yards for a touchdown. Uh, some oh, great times. Anyways, Lewis, sorry. I I know you wanted to get a point in, but if you can make it in 10 seconds, go ahead. I completely forgot what I was going to okay. ask Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I will say before we go off the air, our Don Cherry discussion has lit up my phone. Half the people are saying he's fully accountable for what he said, and half the people are saying his message got swept under the rug, that his general message was he was supporting all of those great Canadian men and women who gave the, their lives for us. As I suspected, the, the public opinion is probably equally divided. Anyways, um, I want to say to our listeners, Naz, I always give you the last word. Go Buffalo. Go Buffalo, go Ticats, go Canada in the Davis Cup. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.